fat Um, are we live? We're on. We're, we're rolling. We're fucking live, dude. Okay, cool. I'm here with Braden Smith, who I know through uh, be- Beta Theater. You came and took some classes in uh, I don't actually, did you actually take a class, but you were on a house team. You took a class and you were on a house team. Yes, sir. And yeah. you're a, a skydive. You're a skydiver. Yep. And you work now in Saipan throwing people out of airplanes. That's correct. That's and which is, re- that's actually really cool because just Saipan has just made national news within like the past week because oh, wow. of recent photos they found of Amelia Earhart. I don't know if you saw that. No, it's on I Facebook and shit. That. I've heard it on the news. Anyway, so Amelia Earhart was believed to crash at sea and that was right. the end of story. I knew that. They, they never found like pieces of the plane or anything. Yep. And, and just as of late, they found photos of her that were never discovered in the Marshall Islands while it was under Japanese control, which is about 800 miles north of the island of Saipan. Okay. Now, what they know is that when they captured people in the Marshall Islands, the Japanese soldiers took them to Saipan. That was their main headquarters. So th- the idea is that they caught her? They caught her. <laughs> I and didn't know she, this. Yeah. And, she, and now the rumor is, is that she actually died on either Saipan or the island of Tinian, which is four miles away from me. That's crazy. There's so much fucking crazy history out there, and it's cr- it's weird because it's just developing as of late. And the girl, there's a girl that I'm hanging out with out in Saipan, and she's right. the local news reporter. So now she's because Saipan has made national news. Now she's meeting with all these local historians, and she's got historians that are saying that that's absolutely not a true story. Uh, Amelia Earhart was never on Saipan, and then she's got other historians that are telling her there's a ton of verifiable stories from people that said that they saw. A Caucasian woman with sort of a thicker build with short hair yeah. in a fucking prison in Saipan. And it just never left. Nobody thought to talk about it. I mean, Saipan's so far off the map that it just well, never... That's some modern day trivia that you just gave yeah. you know, our four listeners. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, well, so Braden, you're uh, a fit dude. Uh, you're Reasonably. I've uh, put yeah. on a lot of weight over the past year. Well, you have... Uh, it's all muscle, I'm sure. I'm sure you're <laughs> 0% uh, body fat. Um and you jump out of planes for a living, so that I think yeah. there's a level of fitness, and you probably do tandem jumps as well, yeah. which is like two people or you and another person strapped Correct. to you. So I imagine that there's some extra strength you have to have to do that. Yeah, you definitely learn how to cut a lot of corners. I wor- and I work with people. I'm I'm super lucky to have recently started working with this chick who's a fucking badass. She does military contracts, and te- yeah. she teaches Navy SEALs how to jump barrels, which is like... What's a barrel? Like a, a barrel's like essentially like a 300-pound storage container that you would throw out of the back of a C-130 at uh-huh. a really high altitude and jump out of a plane and it would be like... And a C-130, isn't that like a big cargo plane yep. or a refueler or whatever? Big military tailgate exit. You right. jump right out the back and you, you fly out with this barrel. It's essentially a way to get a Navy SEAL on the ground with like a bunch of gear and do it under parachute. So You, you jump do, out with the barrel attached yep. to you? you? Well, you jump. It's it's on a... Like the barrel goes out first and you go out second. That's exactly what happens. Okay. Yep. And it's, it's crazy. It's super sketchy and it's hard to do. And she trains these guys how to do it. She's a badass. But... Because she's not like a she's not like a big buff chick. She's like right. a girl. She's like a not petite, but she's not. No, and we either. hate women on this podcast. So Absolutely. good yeah, because they're weaker. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. I um, all the women in my life are better than me, which is not a lie. That yeah. is, sounds like I'm being sarcastic. This one is but. way better than me. Right, and she because she's learned to cut a lot of corners and like be really efficient with the way she works. So I've learned like already learned a bunch of tricks to learn. But as far as like staying fit, the it's a really good idea, and not everybody does it. The skydiving community is full of derelicts for the most part dude we're all we're all chasing like 
some sort of high something yeah. right we're all addicts if it wasn't for skydiving we'd all be involved in something else that could be not great not as good for health you know right and um now when you say that like um uh, okay okay so i i liken it to people who i know who are like ski instructors or people who I know who like travel perfect you know what I mean like it's similar to that it's more extreme clearly yep. or I guess like most of the time it's more extreme than ski instructors yeah it is, but it's really, a similar thing like people chasing like it's a culture and there's some sort of party sort of atmosphere and 100%. you have like pretty easy hours it's not like you have to be up at yeah for the most part right. ours our operation out in Saipan works a little differently we, we start at like as early as six in the morning yeah because we just have so much business. There's so many Chinese people that want to come to Saipan and visit and skydive. And the reason why they come to Saipan, they want to get in a general aviation aircraft because there's no municipal airports in China. Okay. The only flights that operate are commercial or mil- military. So there's no opportunity for people to skydive. Anyways, it, it blossomed into a huge opportunity for me out there, which I would have never actually taken. I I, th- I feel like I owe a, a gratitude to Beta Theater and you specifically. Oh, well, um, because I've talked about everything. I got to back up. I got to rewind a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's hear it. So, I would like halfway through 2016, I took a job as a skydiving instructor. The one out, in Houston. Uh, well, no, I'd worked here for a while. Okay, but I had taken an opportunity out at uh, in Key West. I went down there. Didn't have a great experience, and it was sort of like a failure. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I came back after about two months, and I, I it just wasn't a good fit for me. And I felt pretty defeated. Yeah. And in the process, when I was coming back to Houston, I was also going through a breakup with a girl. So it was like defeated in the job. Now I'm going through a breakup. And I was like pretty down and out, dude. And I needed I needed something to take my mind off everything. Right. And I was lucky enough to get introduced to Beta Theater. I went to a show and then they were like, hey, you know, you can work here. You can volunteer to bartend and that'll right. pay for your classes or whatever. And then I auditioned and... And you're just, great. You're a great performer. Very well, funny. I, very like visceral and, and, and smart. I appreciate it. That's yeah. a great compliment. I I just I feel so thankful for being introduced to beta theater because it really like I, I, I'm just happy that I had the courage to go and try it that one time because as soon as I did, I was welcomed with open arms by like a fucking sick community of people that were really positive and they were able to push me outside my comfort zone and Doing comedy on stage is something that I've always wanted to do, but I never really had the balls to do it. But improv allows you to do it in a format that's emotionally, you have less attachment to the performance, right? Yeah, like if, I, if you sit and write five minutes of stand up, you go up on stage and you bomb, that's like and way you will harder. Bomb in, that, in, that, in that thing, that's how you do it. You bomb and then you get better. Dude. That's I, what stand up is. That's why it's so hard. That's why so few people do it. Yeah, no doubt. It, it, dude, if I if I live, uh, if I move back to Houston, which I think is going to happen in the oh, wow. next couple of years, I'm going to get you to get me to do like a five minute open mic somewhere because it's a dream sure. that I have and I'm just, I've got to do it at some point. But anyways, I owe uh, a lot to Beta Theater for getting me outside my comfort zone and honestly, like giving me a lot of confidence that I needed in yeah. that moment. And then that confidence translated to other aspects of my life and it allowed me to take other chances. Well, what, like what? Like the job in Saipan. Like the job in Saipan because you yeah. were going to go to Hawaii. Yeah, which was the, a little safer. Right. Safer and then a buddy her. was like, Hey, why don't you come up here to Saipan? Yeah. And you just like. I went for it. Yeah. I was like, I, you know, I, it just, I was more willing to take chances and like do shit that was, you know, not, didn't feel so safe at the time. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Now you jump out of airplanes and I feel like there's a certain level of confidence necessary for that. Um, totally. You get, when you, when you skydive, you, when you become a skydiver, you're going to be really, you just, um, you have this innate ability to be able to like trust equipment and trust other people. Right. Because 
I'm relying on the pilot. I'm relying on the other jumpers not to kill me. And I'm relying on the dude that rigged my parachute on the back. So you get like super used to. And our, our mutual friend Kelly does that. He does the parachute. Rigging. Kelly's got a save on me. Yeah. He's, I totally jump one of his reserves. And it's. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's um, when somebody passes your reserve. He's got a save on you. Yeah, That's interesting. Totally. That's a phrase I've just never heard, but yeah. I'm sure it's common in skydiving. It is. Absolutely. And, and it's common that when somebody saves you essentially when a rigger when you use a rigger's pack job because that pack job you whenever you jump out of an aircraft you got two parachutes on your back the top one stays in that container for 180 days whether you use it or not right every 180 days it has to get repacked by an faa rigger like kelly and it's sitting in there and you don't know if it's in good condition or bad if it's packed wrong or if it's packed right it just lives in your back i don't even know what color mine is because generally i'm never going to see it <laughs> and uh, i'm looking the other way yeah exactly <laughs> and you have this little moment when you actually have a parachute malfunction where you're like okay i don't have a landable parachute over my head it's time to let that one go and pull my reserve you have this moment where you think about the dude who packed it for you <laughs> like, yeah and inside so like think about kelly for a second i'm like dude i hope you did a good job and then it works and you land and it's typical in the sport to buy that guy like a six pack of beer or a <laughs> bottle or something. Right. It's like, hey, thanks for the save. And how many saves in your career do you four. have? You have four. Yep. Four times in 6,000 jumps. Oh, yeah. It's like a billion. That's a great percentage, by yeah. the way. We were just talking about that before we started about how many terrible things happen. It's and very, very rare. It's very rare. And all those uh, those four saves, those four cutaways and reserve rides that I had were textbook. Like wow. n- nothing hard about them. I mean, it was it's as easy as pulling a handle. You're and like, that one doesn't work. Okay, this one does. Exactly. And that one always works. And I say always with an asterisk next to it because it doesn't always work. Yeah. And those are just those freak chances. I mean, that's just, you know, unfortunately, one in a million times shit happens and shit goes wrong, but it's super rare that it does. Well, and I ask about confidence because that, that takes a great deal of confidence. Jumping out of an airplane and maybe you built up to it or maybe you were just like an adventurous kind of like seeker and they were like, cool, I'm doing that. And then after you did it once, a thousand later is easy. It is. It does become easy. You feel uncurrent super fast though. It's not like there's other things where the currency lasts a little bit longer, but like you take a week off from skydiving. When you go back, those jitters come back. Right. Like not oh, like first jump jitters, but like they come back real quick. Um, whereas in other sports, like for, I did, I did do a lot of skiing and you could take a, you know, a whole summer off. And then when you get back to the slopes, it's not going to be as nerve wracking as when you go back to skydiving. And so the currency definitely, definitely goes away. But the reason why I started was I was going through, that's dude, my whole, every, every challenging time in my life is just for whatever reason involved a breakup. But this was when I was in college and I was breaking up. I don't up think you're girl. alone. I think yeah. that's, <laughs> no, I know. Right. Dude, and it's so funny. Cause you run it. Now I'm getting at an age where I'm not an adult yet, but I'm old enough to like have a little bit of a fucking wisdom about things. And I see like younger guys going through their first breakup, like dudes in their early twenties. They're devastated. Dude. And it's yeah. like, I know where you're at. And I and I promise you it's going to get better, but you don't believe me, and you won't believe me, and you're listening to country songs that like are making sense for the first time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's it sucks, but uh, yeah, I was going through a breakup, and I'd always wanted to skydive, and I was terrified. I still don't think I've taken a student on their first skydive that was as scared as I was on my first skydive. Really? So you Straight. were terrified, dude? I was a fucking wreck. I mean, I held it together pretty good, but I mean, I was very nervous. Mm. And after I landed, I did it for my 21st birthday. And after I landed, uh, 20th birthday, yeah, I 
I was like, dude, I haven't thought about that girl for like six minutes. You know what I mean? That was like, and that was the first time in a long time that I had like any sort of mental relief from like that part of my life. Yeah. But down that, that neural connection, I mean, that's, that makes sense. Like that it's healing. Yeah. Yeah, Going on skydiving is healing. I bet that was super powerful for you. Yeah. And because of that, I just kept showing up. I was like, oh, that felt good. Let's do it again. And then the next thing I knew I had like 25 jumps, my A license, which allows you to essentially jump anywhere in the country that's a, uh, yeah, jump anywhere in the country. As long as you got your own gear, you can go and buy a jump ticket and get on a plane. And oh, cool. Started packing parachutes as a job and then started shooting outside video and it, it just went from there. So uh, let's, let's talk about health and fitness. Let's talk health and fitness. Like, uh, wh- we've talked, to, you've been following a lot of my stuff and you, at times you'll report what's going on with you. Yep. Um, and, and you're super, super supportive. Thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. It's I, really kind. Dude, it's nice having you giving daily updates. I think that's so important. When you have, I think that's key. Other, that's why I'm having some success right now. Yeah, it's yeah. accountability. You're, you're involved with other people, and other people are going to support you. So, as far as fitness relates to skydiving, there's a couple things. It's you're going to have hard landings, like every now and again. You're going to get dropped, right. and it's good to be flexible and it's good to be strong. Those two things, because your muscles and your flexibility are going to protect your 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 tendons and your bones. Okay. And so I've taken a lot of hard landings. In fact, I had one recently where I think had I not been going to the gym, I think it could have been worse for me because essentially when you're coming down with a tandem, you want to soak up the impact of the crash essentially is what's happening, like a hard landing for your students. Your student doesn't get hurt. Is there like a speed at which... So a hard landing just it means how you fast you're coming down when you exactly. hit the ground. Exactly. So and, and it then, could be pilot error. It could be weather related. It could be right. turbulence. There's a lot of different things that can contribute to it. Ideally, my landings it's, it would be like stepping off the first stair of a staircase. Okay. You know, and I can oftentimes land with my students' feet not even touching the ground. I can support their body weight, and I just haven't put their feet down. That's most of the time what happens. And there's a lot of good things that contribute to that. So it's like I I'm not a big proponent of like doing big heavy lifting. Right. But having like a strong core and a deadlift is super important for this job. And I've got a chip disc in my lower back from a, a base jumping accident that I had pretty early on in my career. I jumped off the twin falls bridge in, in um, or the prime bridge in twin falls, Idaho, which is the only place it's legal to base jump 365 days a year okay. all the time. So I jumped off that. I got a chip disc in my lower back and I struggled with back pain for a long time. Well, that sounds like a terrible accident, by the way. It wasn't, t- I, when I describe it like that, I'm making it way more badass. I just wasn't paying attention to what the wind was doing. Yeah. And you want to land into the wind. I landed going with the wind. It didn't have any flare power in my canopy, any power to slow the canopy down. And I just, I fucking pounded. And um, I chipped a disc in I didn't get an x-ray at the time, college kid, no money, whatever, right. you know, I just, I just thought I'd tweak my back and just went about life. And then about a year later, I got an x-ray and it's like, oh, you got a chip disc. Well, you're living, you're healthy, you're fine. Just live with it type of thing. But core strength was the ticket to getting out of back pain because I struggled with back pain for a long time. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until I started doing yoga. Yoga was the connection there because essentially what happens is when you have back pain, a lot of times you're not utilizing your whole core and your, in your whole diaphragm. Like, and I, I read an article, I was on Reddit reading on r slash fitness and it was about a power lifter who was talking about how he couldn't get past a certain deadlift. Okay. Like, like he was, he, he maxed out and he, he couldn't ever out. get past it and he could never get past it. And he did everything from nutrition to strength training regimen. I mean, he was being, he was doing it perfectly and he was not progressing. 
he saw the right physical therapist who took x-rays of him and saw that his spine wasn't quite aligning with his stomach, which wasn't quite aligning with his chest, right? That there was some missing link. And what the guy concluded is that your diaphragm isn't strong enough. And so when you're taking in air and you're flexing your core, it's miss, it's not aligning properly. So okay. we need to be having you take bigger breaths and strengthening your core. So he said, put down the deadlift. And the diaphragm is the muscle that lives right underneath uh, the lungs, right? That's my understanding yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah. And singers know a lot about the diaphragm. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. I've only taken a few voice lessons, but yeah, very important. Um, and... You can activate the diaphragm by inhaling as though you're breathing in through a straw. Sure, you can even feel it yeah. when you do that. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Side no, note. you're good. No, this is great. So anyways, the physical therapist was like, I want you to put down the deadlifting bar for six weeks. And he gave him a balloon that's super hard to inflate with your lungs. Like a long skinny one? Exactly, yeah. And he put him in a lot of different compromising positions. Like, <laughs> like where, like, let's say you're like doing like a... Ah, man, they're kind of hard to describe, but like standing with your knees together in a squatted position, turning to your left and inflating that balloon and finding strength in your diaphragm and like a bunch of weird positions. Right. And that's essentially what yoga is. What that phys- physical therapist was having him do was yoga. And once I got introduced to yoga, that really helped all the, that sort of thing go away. And so you had back pain. Yep. You were reading in our fitness on Reddit, which I'm not, I should subscribe to and read. It's um, awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm on Reddit a lot, um, and I think I'm my I'm my only friend on Reddit, so it's really funny to me. I mean, I know you. I mean, like in terms of like James is not on Reddit, Tracy's not on Reddit. I think Vicky does Reddit a little. They bit. They don't Reddit. No, that seems that's surprising. And really, me, to me too. And the other the reason why I think and this is totally off topic, but is because there's literally something for everyone. Like, I think the biggest subreddit right now is, like, the Donald Trump subreddit. Yep. Like, pro-Donald Trump subreddit. The and Donald. That, that's not my thing, but if that is your thing, it's there for you. And most of Reddit, especially, is hyper-liberal, or at least, uh, yeah, in the liberal vein of it, you would think. But mm, something for everybody, I think. I think you, honestly, that could be the tagline of the company. There's something for everyone, really. I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right about that. So anyway, uh, on our fitness, you read about this guy doing balloon things and weird yoga poses, and you got into yoga. And what did that look like? Like, What did getting into yoga look like for you? So it was, um, it you started out as me doing a P90X DVD. Uh-huh. So P90X, I don't know if you've heard of it. I'm familiar, but you go ahead and talk yeah, about what it is. So it's like the, it's sort of a fad workout program early 2000s yeah. mid 2000s is when it came out and i think it still goes on fuck yeah yeah and they've, they've done like other generations of it and right. they've excelled through the dvds and you know they've made different programs but the guy who does it his name's tony horton it's a beach body exercise it's 10 different dvds and in my opinion it is one of the best introductions to fitness i mean you can really do that program and you can be a guy who can do pull-ups and you, and you can become a guy who can do 20 fucking pull-ups like straight up it's a really good program and they also, they do, they introduce you to like Kenpo, which is like kind of like kickboxing style workouts. Right. They introduce you to core synergistics, which is getting your whole body to work together. And they do fucking yoga. There's a 90 minute yoga DVD that even after doing a lot of yoga is still really challenging. I mean, it's, it's hard for everybody. So that was my start. And then I discovered um, a studio in Houston called Big Yoga. I know Big Yoga. Yeah. We just shot something at Big Yoga. Dude, this place is fucking magic. And there's a specific yoga instructor there. His name's Bhavan, who really changed the way I look at that uh, look at that stuff. Because I'm not super like woo woo. I don't believe in like all the energy and all that stuff. But right. dude, 
you can some weird shit happens in a 90 minute yoga class that is not really like you can't really explain and well something that i find really fun is to go and just get like super high before you go in, <laughs> yeah like in the parking lot and uh walk in and you can really take your body to some crazy places and fucking challenge yourself and i don't believe in like the reason I say energy transfer is because when you're in yoga, you do what's called the ujjayi breath, which is like this deep inhales and exhalations through your nose. Like that's all yoga is about is focusing on the breath and right. controlling your breath. And when you do that, you're like matching the rhythm and pace of everybody else that's in the room. Yeah. And you get in like this weird synchronization. And when that happens, you're sort of drawing on the strength of other people. And then I've had weird experiences in yoga where like, I'm in a posture that I know for a fact that like I'm not going to be able to do this for a whole minute. And that's how much longer that we've got to hold this pose for. I know that I'm going to crash and burn in like 10 seconds, <laughs> but the instructor will walk up to me and he'll just put like a single finger on me and like barely even not even help me. He just like touches me and I'm able to hold that pose for that full minute at after that point. And it's not that he's actually physically contributing to me. It's like, dude, this guy just came over and he's engaged in what I'm doing. He wants me to be successful and he's also willing to touch like the sweatiest guy in the room. <laughs> so like at that point, you can't let him down. Yeah. You know? That's and, funny. And, and so through that, you, you end up finding like extra energy somewhere and you don't, I don't know where I got it from, but it exists somewhere. And so there is some like, I'm not super woo-woo dude, but there's, dude, there's something special about that fucking class. They do a 10 p.m. class every Thursday night that's candlelit only. Yeah. And, dude, it's special. It's an hour long. It's hot as fuck, and it's really cool. That I sounds awesome. It. It's rad. Big Yoga, and what's the guy's name? His name's Bovin. Bov, B-O-V-I-N? B-H-A-V-I-N. I'm glad I asked. I would not have spelled that right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. So you got into yoga. This guy changed how you, how you did stuff, and then that strengthened your core. Yeah. Um, and Mega. then also supported your back. And then do you do a core workout as well? Because you're talking about you did dead, deadlifts. Yeah, we do. So I've been given the gift of this freakazoid athlete that came and moved in with me about four months ago out in Saipan. Uh-huh. And, he, and when you say freakazoid, is it like a, a bodybuilder? Is uh, he just like he's a, a super ex- fit dude? Super fit, genetic freak, but he was a football player his whole life. He's a black guy. Uh, he grew up in Ohio and he moved in with me and he's been essentially doing strength training his whole life. But recently he made a jump to go in the Navy SEALs hmm. and he's fit enough to do it. I mean, the the guy looks like I would describe him if you took like a, a homosexual comic book nerd and had him design his own superhero, he'd come <laughs> up with this fucking dude. I mean, he's a, he looks, he's shredded. Right. And he knows a lot about this stuff, but he, he went and trained with a bunch of pararescue guys yeah. that had already been pararescue and were training dudes who were about to go through pararescue selection school, which is like the equivalent of going through buds. Okay. Pararescue is the Buds air. Fo- is that's the SEAL program. Okay. Sorry, that's the program okay. to become a Navy SEAL. And I'm learning a, a whole lot right now yeah, about jumping out of things. Yeah, and the pararescue guys are as badass as the Buds guys. They're basically like a Navy SEAL medic. That's what okay. they do. When somebody's down, they go in, they jump in, they and they rescue them. And these dudes train at a rigorous level. And he went to Vegas for a year to train with these guys and they put him through this nasty program super fucking cool a lot of running a lot of a lot of swimming and a lot of core exercises and so he ended up not being able to make the navy seals because he on his application confessed to having a previous shoulder and a knee injury from football and that was like an automatic fail type of thing they just don't do it yeah um which is a bummer because he could totally do it 
but through that, now now he lives with me and, and he's turned me on to some of the program stuff. So a typical workout that we might do, we do a lot of um, AMRAP stuff. So Tell me what that is. So AMRAP is an abbreviation, as many rounds as possible. Okay. So let's say we're doing a 30-minute AMRAP. 30 minutes, as many rounds as possible. We're going to do six pull-ups, 15 push-ups, 30 flutter kicks. Um, then we would do like... What's a flutter kick? A flutter kick is when you're laying on your back, uh-huh. toes oh, pointed straight out, uh, hands under your butt, and you're kicking your feet. Cool. And so if we were doing like 30 flutter kicks, we do them at a four count. So it's one, one. two, three, one, one, two, three, two. Right. And so as many rounds as possible. And then we would do like, basically you're switching from like a back to a chest, to a core, to a leg, to a back, to a chest. And you run through maybe eight or 10 different exercises um, all in 30 minutes. And so it's, and you just hit it. You just hit it as many times as you can. That's awesome. And, uh, what you're left with is doing that type of exercise. You're not going to grow any mass at all. You're not going to get like a lot bigger, but I'm also, I, I have no reason to be bigger than what I am. In fact, it's, it helps in the job that I am to actually be lighter. So gaining weight, gaining mass, isn't necessarily what I'm going for. What I'm looking for to be is stronger, more flexible and healthier, you know? And I mean, you know, this from, you said you just got back from a run. Yeah. Just this morning. So running fucking sucks, dude. Yep. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I, I how, like how it far did you run? 5.6 miles. It's slow though. I run How long have really you been running slow. for? Um, I love running. I could run longer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just run, I run slow, so yeah, I'm yeah. not going very, very fast at all. I mean, yeah. But, um, you're running. Yeah, I go. I, I'm gonna call it jogging. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I feel like running is sort of a misnomer when you see me do it. Um, no, yeah, I love running. Running is. Um, I think I'm carrying too much weight on my frame. I'm uh, this morning pre-run. I'm two eleven, which is down twenty pounds uh, from yeah. sixty that's, days ago. Dude, that's so sick. I'm happy about it. I got I got a long way to go. I want to be. I feel like my. I feel like my gold metal would be like 170 if i can get down to 170 i feel like that'd be great where are you in your two 11 fuck yeah and anyway so um i wanted to start working out um bef- once i got below 200 but i was kind of hitting a like 216 threshold like where right. it's like this is not going to happen unless right. i start doing more uh, i'm really limiting my calories i'm really analyzing what i eat i'm really kind of hyper as you know every single day i'm doing stuff and that's not even i'm not reporting that like i document every single meal I have measuring cups and scales. I'm taking tons and tons of vitamins. Um, I am as healthy intentionally as I've ever been in my whole life in terms of nutrition. What do you think was the change there? Because you did... You did the sweet potato thing. Remember from <laughs> yeah, Penn and Tell? Yeah. Dude, how sick is that? that it, I loved gr- it. It was a great... Dude, that's such a great way to start. It's so, it's so good to simplify it like that for somebody because a lot of times what people do at the start when they're taking on a strength training or nutrition regimen yeah. is overcomplicating it. And that guy, he fucking breaks it down. He's like, dude, eat sweet potatoes and that's it. Have fun. <laughs> See you in two weeks. You know yeah, what check, I mean? I think anybody uh, who's interested... Yeah, and that was kind of retraining what you put in your body on purpose. Um, I think I've been very, very bad if you look at the last three years, like it says about three years ago, I found out I have high blood pressure. Uh, and this is what kind of started like, okay, I have to, I'm 42. I have to start really being healthy. Uh, and my doctor even said it, Hey, you need to decide how you want to die. Do you want to die 
healthy and good or do you want to die like with heart problems and in home in and out of homes and requiring the help of everyone around you and i I, as and while that wasn't like oh i'm going to change immediately i didn't have like a, a come to jesus moment i had like okay, I'll start trying to make changes. And I've just tried to start making changes as we go. Yeah. And I'm bad at it. I'm bad at it. Uh, I, Me too. I'd like to be better at it. Um, and the thing about, you mentioned this earlier about being on the on Fatzilla's, uh, we have like that private group. And I'm sorry, everybody who wants to be a part of that public group, but just be, if you're listening to this and you want to be in that private group, just become my friend. So I know that you're not a crazy person and we'll put you in. Um, anyway, and then I... It's not necessarily the accountability. I think, if I'm being honest, I think there's a part of me that needs a performance aspect of it. I need to, on some level, be performing. Well, you mean like a against yourself? like competitive? Not competing. Like, literally, like it is a show. Oh, right like on. Like, me reporting every single day. It's a bit of a show. It's like, cool, I know that in the morning I have to show up for my update and I have to Dude. present information. And I'm also trying to, I'm trying to write more like I'm trying to I write these things lengthy and with detail and with vulnerability and real stories and failures mostly failures um and that and that's all kind of hitting that thing that I like about performing we had a podcast that's a performance aspect of it all I love talking with people and I love socializing but yeah it's I don't necessarily feel any obligation to anyone like no one is expecting me to do it and right. i've stopped well, at this point i am <laughs> <laughs> at this point i am like well, i am expecting it. it but like i have like started and stopped uh health even you've seen this over the last two years i've started and stopped health plans this I is like I. day 60 uh but like the 10th version of day 60 totally so um october was when i did the the the, the 14 days of only sweet potatoes and that totally wrapped like changed my palate but then i won back my palate i got back my palate and it's easy to right it takes a little time but you can get it back yeah no no it, it wasn't um initially it wasn't easy but then yeah you just fall back into old, yep. old habits um i you said you're sorry to interrupt go you, though. no please you said that you do this first thing in the morning is when you write that passage i try to because yeah. we're in like a crazy time difference so yeah absolutely so when does that hit you in saipan uh, I get it. I want to say, let's see, it's probably about 7 p or 5 to 6 p.m. my time. Okay. The next day. I'm in the future out there. Good. Um, but that's so, I think it's potent. What, what you said about actually writing down and performing, for me specifically, if I actually like even just write like a couple sentences, it switches the gear of the way like the brain works. Right. And I get into like more of a reflective space and doing it first thing in the morning, dude, that's, that's powerful. That's like a super powerful way to start the day. Cause not only have you like already accomplished a single task, which helps get the ball rolling for the rest of the day. Right. You've like already like held yourself accountable and kind of like you've set a goal for the day at least. Like you're mindful of your nutrition. I think that probably translates into other aspects of your life. Have you noticed that since you've been a fitness freak, a nutrition freak, that other things are falling into place? Hmm. I would say that no. I would say that it does do that to a degree. Like I get up and I do it. Um, I uh, how do I explain this? I will myself to do these things. They don't come naturally. I don't enjoy doing them. I don't like counting calories. I don't like weighing myself. I don't like exercising. Yep. If I'm being absolutely honest, that's how I feel about all that stuff. But the problem is, is that I have to do these things, and so I have to force myself to do them, or else I will die early, or yep. I will die poorly. Um, and that 
isn't as much of a uh, light of fire in my ass as I wish it was, but it, it is shit I come back to. So for example, so I right now deal with like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. And all day long, three meals, two snacks, killing it, fucking killing it. I get to five o'clock, six o'clock, and I've been healthy all day long. I'm about between 1,200 and 1,500 calories, which is low. Sorry, Kathy. Um, I get to, I get in this mentality of I need to reward myself. And then I begin to like pour myself a drink or have myself a pizza or quesadilla yep. or something terrible for me. And then what was our, what a healthy day is now become an unhealthy day. And this is a pattern that's mappable. It's easy to see. It's fucking easy. So the next morning I wake up after a night of having four Malbecs, you know, or whatever, three glasses of whiskey. And my heart is pounding because my blood pressure is cranking. Sure. And, uh, dehydrated, sure. you know, there's like all of these things that are absolutely bad for me. I begin to feel it. Uh, yeah. and I've, because since I've had high blood pressure, I can tell when I have high, I can feel when I, my blood pressure is going up. Yep. And so I wake up in the morning and I'm reminded of something that happened in November where I had that pericarditis, where I had that attack that I thought I was just got a heart attack or was having a stroke or something terrible was happening. And I'm thinking this will happen again. I, this will happen again. And so I get up, I look at my count cal- at calories. I report on fatzillas. Um, I make it, I'm like admitting exactly what happened, how it happened. If it was a good day, I say it was a good day. If it was a bad day, I say it was a bad day. And then what's performative of it is that throughout the day or throughout the morning, I will go back and I will edit what I wrote, not to change it, but to improve it. Like, right. like I revise, make a revisions as sure. I go. So if you catch it right when I write it, if you read it four hours later, it's going to be different with new information and probably a little bit more articulate, hopefully. Um, I've not... And so, so the cloud at which I am making myself do these things or the, the atmosphere is one of like dread, like I dread it and I hate it and I don't want to do it. Right. Um, which is why I'm doing it right. Like I have to change my feeling about it or I have to learn to always ignore my feeling about it. So, well, there has to, you're going to have to hit a point though, where like your body is at least relying on maybe like the dopamine from the jog and shit. Like I hope it, so. Dude, yeah. you have to hit a point where that's going to start making more sense. I, I think. I have to fucking trick myself into exercising. I'm watch, I'm listening to, and I just finished a podcast right now called Rabbits. And I I have a lot of time where I could listen to a podcast. The, the Rabbits, it's a, a, a podcast. It's a fictional story about, in a, about a girl who's playing an alternate reality game where the stakes are really high. And I like it. I like it. And that so there's like cool. 10 episodes. Yeah. I, I, I've produced some alternate reality games. And so like, it's like right up my fucking alley. Really? Yeah. And, um, a long time ago, but I'd like to do more. Um, the, I'm holding on to the episode until today when I went, I was like, cool, I've got this episode of rabbits. I want to go listen to it. And I have, and then I'm like inspired to go jog because I have entertainment planned. Yeah. This is a thing I want to do, or this is a book I'm listening to, or this is, I'm listening to no presidium, this podcast. Um, quite a bit and, and my hot life, something I listen to quite a bit. Anyway, so I have to get my shit together. Yeah. Um, I have a buddy, his name is Steve Ballinger and he's a orthopedic surgeon. He lives out Northwest now and he, he has his, or he used to, because I haven't, I don't know how his house is set up now. He has a workout room. Um, and then he has a television and he has a stationary bike and he has the PS3 or Fuck, PS4. Yeah. And so he's playing some sort of first person shooter while he's just making his legs do something. And I have to do shit like that to make yep. myself go do it. And like, if I'm at the Y 
and this is, and I'm like, I hate the music, you know what I mean? Or about the why and, and I don't know, we have a membership to the why, but I'm thinking about giving it up because I'm uninspired to go there because the atmosphere is kind of super lame to me. Yeah. Anyway, these are the wrong things that control my habits, right? Like, oh, this is not entertaining enough. I'm not performing while I do this. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like it's, and so I've tried to make being healthy in the process and the journey be, uh, all the things that I needed to be in order to just to trick myself into doing it. Sure. I know that's stupid, but that's really the truth. I'm being absolutely honest. This is it. And maybe that makes me shallow. It make me, makes me have tons of character flaws. I, not, no one is saying that to me, but that's where I'm at. Well, I think exercise is inherently boring. I mean, like if you take exercise, what you think of like, as just like a standard gym routine is like, okay, I want you to go into this room with mirrors in it and just like pick that thing up, put it back down pick it up again, <laughs> put it back down. You know what I mean? It's like the fucking most boring thing you could do. And I struggled with it for a long time because when I was in arguably the best shape of my life, I uh, I wouldn't go to the gym unless there was marijuana involved. Right. And, I, and I had to retrain myself how to work out because it, in the career that I'm in, you'll go to places where you get drug tested and you'll go to places where you don't. So there's times when you can smoke and there's times when you can't. And in my career, it's just, yeah, it's like, Either we can or we can't, and the decision's made for me by my employer, and I just work around it. So when I work at a job where I'm getting drug tested, I had to relearn how to fucking exercise, man. And it's that's my vice is essentially uh, marijuana. Well, it, it not not my vice. It's that, in my opinion, is the most effective assistant to cardiovascular exercise, especially if you limit yourself to only smoking before you work out. Right. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow myself to smoke weed unless my running shoes are already on and I'm like ready to get out the door. And then you just you're left with you put your brain in a different mindset and if you're listening to the right music when you do it, you can have some like really euphoric moments and per like really push through some personal boundaries and take yourself to a, a different place. And I, I, I think of it like this, it's hard to explain, but when you're when you're running or doing any sort of physical activity when you're not stoned, it's like my legs hurt, my chest, my lungs hurt, my arms hurt. This really sucks for us, yeah. right? When you, if you get really fucking blazed, it's like my legs hurt, my arms hurt, my lungs hurt. Sucks for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a separation it's, from there, you. Oh, that's interesting. The pain is still there, but you can like sort of just be above it and look at it from a bird's eye view. Yeah, and know that it exists, and it allows you to take yourself to like. A different a different place like I've and I've tested this like just like you said that you tested you know that you that you write everything down you chart stuff I did these experiments when I first started with it because I was right. like dude this is something is really effective about this and I don't know what it is but I would like test my mile time high and not high and I would do it you know over the course of a month so I would see you know where it was at and I was definitely able to push myself harder um and I was it was easier for me to show up so it's a bit of a and it ended up turning into a bit of a crutch for me just I, I don't think it's marijuana is a bad thing. The only reason why I wouldn't do it is if I'm being drug tested by an employer, to be frank with you. Like, Doesn't bother I, me. Yeah. I don't smoke a lot of weed um, uh, on occasion, but I'm not, I am, uh, I'm not productive w- when I'm high. Yeah. I'm just not. I struggle I, with that too. And I have to be productive. Yeah. There's too many things depending on me. So on occasion I will smoke weed, but I, I, it's not, I think, I think a, a lot of the people I'm dealing with in the creative industry, in the creative world, that I work in uh, kind of feel like I'm sort of a square because I, I don't smoke a lot of weed or do a lot of drugs in general. You belong to a, a, a fucking cool part of Houston. I feel like it. Dude, I love really the world like, I, I love. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, oh, well, I want to talk about something because I want to do about 10 minutes. We only have about 10 more minutes that okay. we, should, we should kind of wrap things up. But I, I want to really make a jump to your diet because you're on a keto. You're in the keto. Is that what it's called, keto? Ketosis, yeah. I was not. I mean, I'm drinking a beer right now. so. Oh, I, well, really, I don't, I don't yeah. know the ins and outs of it. I have not, like as I told you, I would looked into it. But can we talk about that a little yeah, bit? Because totally. I know you know stuff about it. You've encouraged me to look into it. Tell me, like unpack that for me. Yeah, so I know enough to explain it a little bit and you can go and this whole podcast is like that it's like what is your experience what is your understanding so this is and again to our listeners this is not a science podcast we yeah. are not nutritionists or fitness gurus we're yeah, not good. telling you what's an expert <laughs> yeah so we're just talking a colloquial experience like our our ideas so i will preface this by saying uh if you're interested in uh ketosis and if these ideas make sense for you go to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash keto and okay. it's the number K-E-T-O. one keto yeah it's the number one source for information on this these guys are crazy about it and they're doing it in a way so essentially the idea with ketosis is to eat less than 25 grams of carbohydrates a day all the time okay let me see where i'm at on the day i've had um are you using uh my fitness pal i am totally dude it there's apps like that where it's like it's free. Yeah. How the fuck is that free? Like it's such oh, a well, Under Armour owns this and it's marketing for right. them. Right. I've had 47 grams of carbs today, which is super low. So what what is the 25 grams? It's way fucking low, dude. It's and essentially what the idea with ketosis is when you eat so few carbohydrates, uh-huh. it forces your body to discover a different energy source that's not carbohydrates. So it's going to it, your body is going to start processing fat. And just understand, one of the hard things about making the transformation into doing ketosis is the first like eight or nine days, they call it the keto flu. Because when you starve your body of that many carbohydrates, dude, you've got all these alarms going off, like all right. these primitive alarms. That's like, dude, we're dying. Right. We need an energy source, right? And so while you're making that transition, you just have to understand that you're going to be grumpy yeah. you're gonna be emotional you're not gonna sleep that good like dude it's gonna be a shitty fucking eight days and when you're in it you're gonna think that it's a stupid idea and you're gonna think that uh, am i getting sick like am I, but then if you're eventually your body finds your fat you exactly 100 percent, and you start to burn the, your the fat on your body and you burn the ketones in your fat and once that starts to happen do you, do you know what are ketones I mean, That's, I don't know. Yeah, I, dude, I, I, and I, the process of ketosis is burning of the ketones. Ketones in your right. fat. Yep, exactly. I don't know what ketones are, and I would be bullshitting if I told you I did. Um, but what I do know is that when your body makes that transition to burning, uh, to burning more of your fat, first of all, when you eat fat, good fat, mm-hmm. it's a more red- readily available energy source for you. So. A, let's say if I normally if I had like like some avocado good, or, exactly or, like an avocado you're gonna get like a slower more sustainable burn you're not gonna crash you're gonna have a more sustained energy level and then when your body's out of food for it to eat it's way easier for it to transition to burning the fat stores on your body so and I would say keto out of all the things that I've seen in the past you know however long I'm doing research this is like the most documented I mean these guys are getting major success from this diet it is difficult to do. Um, like I said, that first eight days is like a really challenging part of it. I can and, only imagine, yeah. And if you're strength training and exercising, I mean, you're just adding on the difficulty. And honestly, avoiding carbohydrates is to that level is like really tough. 
you can't drink beer. I mean, you can't drink wine. You got to switch to vodka. Yeah. Or hard hard liquor. Or whiskey. Yeah, bourbon. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I'd have to get into that. The. Uh, okay. So, y- how long have you? When did you? What were your eight days like? Terrible. They sucked. And then after that, I noticed that it was working really, really well for me. So and you're like shredding fat. Yeah. 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 You're in. You know, a lot of this. A lot of the reason why I did it was just for the emotional benefits of it. The mentality. Who turned you on to it? Reddit? Uh, no. Guy I work with, his name's Nicholas Lott. He's a fan. He's a really freak athlete, like a really solid dude. He's always paid really close attention to what he takes into his body. He actually never drank alcohol until he was almost 30. And, uh, you know, he's just a really fit guy. He pays a lot of close attention to it. And he came, he turned on a ketosis. And to, to honestly know whether or not you're in ketosis, you have to get a blood test. And you, so he bought a test kit and he pricks his finger like once a day yeah. to see how many ketones are actually in his blood. And when there's a lot of ketones in your blood, you know you're burning ketone. There's a, there's a limit. Once you get above like six parts per million or whatever the hell, the, whatever it is, you know that you're there. Huh. And um, A limit meaning there's a ceiling or there's like a toxic amount? Or there, well, there's like a threshold that like when you're above a certain limit, your body is now in ketosis. Okay, and that's And that's what... Uh, you can get these test strips that you piss on that are super cheap, but to do it the right way, you need to t- you need to prick, prick your, finger. your finger. And he does it every day. I mean, he's very serious about it. And well, there's like diabetes and diabetics. Like this is that's what it yeah, is. Exactly. Th- that's essentially what it is. Um, the guy who wrote the book on it, well, not ketosis essentially, but he wrote something very similar. It's a book called The Primal Blueprint. Okay, he was a guest on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. That's what I heard a lot about it. Um, but he pitches a diet that's almost identical to the ketosis thing, which is, I think, there's a different. There's two different schools of thought. One's less than 25 grams of carbs a day. The other one's less than 30. Okay, those aren't those negligible. Feels like. It, yeah, that's what I think too, and it it works really well for some people because it's kind of similar to the Penn and Teller thing. That it's like it simplifies it a little bit, in the sense that you just can't eat. As much, it's like almost eat as much as you fucking can, as long right. as it's not carbs. Because if you take out carbohydrates, it's really hard to meet your caloric, your you know your calorie max. Like if yeah. you, it really is difficult to <laughs> get that many calories. I mean, if you're eating eggs, meats, nuts, fruits, not not fruits, not yeah, vegetables. Right? I mean, you're. I mean, it's really hard if you're eating cheese and. But there's also really great things about it. Like in keto, dude, bacon is on the fucking menu, dude. Right. Pork rinds are on the menu. Diet soda, you know, whatever. So, I mean, bacon, cheese, like, I mean, you can just go to the bank with eggs, cheese, cottage cheese. I've been doing a lot of cottage cheese. Oh, I've been doing eggs. Cheese. I've been I've been cutting, actually. I've been experimenting. Okay, so I've I've had, um, I've been experimenting with taking processed bread out of my diet. Hell yeah. So it's like, um, like I have a whole, I have the fucking healthiest bread. And I have the Ezekiel, low sodium, like it's got scriptures on it. It's made of like Jesus's pubes. I don't, I mean, it is the most <laughs> healthy bread uh, of, of all time. And it is, uh, and so anyway, so that's healthy. And I cut that out. I mean, I've cut tortillas out of my diet. I've cut um, any kind of processed bread out, but I still do. I've been getting my carbs from fruits and vegetables. Yep. Um, but I'll have to, like, again, I want to read up about it. I want to kind of try things. I want to learn more about what's working in my body. But I do think that taking those carbs, those processed carbs out of my body, uh, out of my diet, has allowed me to have um, setbacks where, like, I'll have four glasses of wine or something a night. And um, 
and still make progress losing weight. Yeah. Still like continue the downward uh, trend of, of getting to where I, I want to be health wise, yeah. weight wise. Come back. I think, uh, you know, and you're just even saying more, you're just like take more carbs out. Well, I mean, that would be, if you wanted to go that route, I, it's not for, it's definitely not for everybody. And the more that I learn about it, you know, it, it really depends on what kind of lifestyle you're currently living. Like right now, the way that I live, it's like, dude, I wake up at 6am I do 12 jumps until the sun sets. Then we go. Is that a lot? Is that a lot of jumps? It's a fuckload. It's a lot. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's, I did 270 working jumps last month and that's, I mean, damn near triple what other people are doing. Really, honestly. Like, it's but why a, it, is it, why are you doing so many? It's good money. Like, is it per dude, jump you get paid? Yeah. And it's just, it has to do with the Chinese tourism, the island that I live on. Donald Trump is actually involved in like a weird way. This tourist visa waiver, dude, it's a weird little spot. There's a lot. I mean, we could, I obviously don't want to chat your ear off too much about it, but I'm sure you had to talk about this on your podcast. We chatted about too. it a little bit, yeah. but, um, and it, it's just a lot of crazy shit going on, but we're working a ton and then we're still going to the gym after. Yeah. And at that point I'm like, dude, I need, I need food and I need beer. Like I need something to like settle down before I go. Yeah, to you're bed. working hard, dude. We're working our fucking asses off. So Right now, keto just isn't going to work for me. Yeah. It, I, I just need calories. Like, and it's too hard to get it where I live. And, and perhaps I'm making excuses, but it's just it's just not going to work with my current lifestyle. If I lived, if I come back to Houston where the jump pace is a little bit slower and I have a little bit more freedom, yeah. it's something I would totally explore more and, and try to do it. But if you're somebody who's like working a super physical job and trying to go to the gym, it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck with it. It's keto seems to me to be designed more for people who just aren't burning as many calories and can, and live more of a sedentary lifestyle where they can. And it's also easy for easier for them to get through that first week. Well, I, and I, I feel like I, fit all of those categories. I I am in all those categories. So you're, you're in where I work we're at dial line and, um, and, it is a house and uh, James lives here, but we have a full kitchen. I have a, all my food. As a matter of fact, I don't grocery shop for my apartment. I have grocery shop for here and I mostly eat all my meals here and I'm able to pick you know, We have right across the street from a grocery store. I just walk over and get whatever I want. Um, and I'm able to do whatever I want. Like, is it like a chain grocery store? Is it like Fiesta? A, oh, hell yeah. It's just right, right there. It's okay. I mean, there it's the, the poor person's. Yeah. So I'm a poor person. Um, and, uh, <laughs> the, and that's, that's, I may never have this again. This is unusual to be like where I work. We have a full kitchen. I'm able to put whatever groceries I want into it. As a matter of fact, the groceries are really easy to get. They're right across the street and I'm able to take, I own the company. So I'm able to be like, cool at 1130, I'm going to stop and I'm going to cook myself a meal and then I'm going to come back in at one or, you know, whatever, however that yep. works. And the culture, and this is what's interesting about it. For me, it's really helpful that me, James, and Tracy sort of uh, convene in the kitchen to meet and talk and be creative and convene around cooking, and that becomes a way at which we all kind of like catch up. And yeah. we, we and then we come into the studio here, and we're like grinding away on each of our different computers. Um, and that's that's great. I'm lucky that that's yeah. what my life is. And uh, is Dynaline growing? Yeah, Are you getting busier and. That's that's super cool. Oh yeah, I was telling you a little bit about this, but and this is uh, okay. This would be a good place to kind of jump out of this. But we're I'm busier than I've ever been in oh, terms yeah. of this work. Um, we're Dynaline is my video production company, and we've also created some uh, immersive events and installation of things. So 
Red House just recently closed, and James did Okta in December. So we're doing cool stuff as well as paid stuff. Um, but th- in July, and again, my scouting trip got canceled, but I'll just tell you what my schedule was as of like two days ago. I fly out tomorrow to L.A., drive to San Francisco for a shoot. What's that, five hours? Six I hours? think it's six hours. I've never done it. Yep. We're being dorks. We're renting a, a convertible and Fuck yeah, dude. driving up the coast. Yes, <laughs> dude. Dude, that's awesome. Flying back on at midnight on Tuesday, flying out to Manchester to location scout, coming back Sunday, flying out Monday to go to San Francisco for another shoot, flying straight to New York, flying straight back to San Francisco, uh, and then flying back to Houston. That Holy that was a, the rest shit. of our, Ju- that's the rest of our July. Whoa. Um, and again, my location scout to Manchester got pushed till later. And so, but it's still pushed to the end of July. It's not pushed till August. Like I would really help my schedule. Dude, that's really cool. And you say we, that's you. Me, James, and, and sometimes Tracy. Wow. Dude, that's really cool. So it's, it's cool great. that you're like getting enough business to f- essentially facilitate I mean, just airfare around the country, like number of time. That's fucking cool, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, congratulations. Our, we put all that in our budgets and right. our projects, and people right. are paying for us to do that. And our stuff in Manchester is foreign airlines, so they're covering some of that stuff for oh, us. Oh, kick ass. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it's we've never done this. We've never traveled like this. I think I think we're just we're word of mouth. People who work with us really like our work. Um, we're not super. Uh, we're probably more expensive than what some people would pay, but we're not terribly expensive. We're not the, exp- like the expensive hiring right. agency with, you know, and maybe in a year we will be, but we are not right now. And we are weird artists who work hard yeah, and who take notes really well. Like we listen really well, which a lot of artists don't. A lot of artists are like, Oh, it's my way. And I like it like this. And so fuck off. We're not like that. We work really hard at trying to get, uh, make creative choices within the confines of what the client really needs. Yeah. And we do everything ourselves. And that's from like writing to uh, shooting to editing to animation to composing to 3D animation or motion graphics and stuff. I mean, we do it all and we do it all in here. We don't do a lot of like templates, you know. And now we're, James is really getting into like um, touch designer and just a lot of weird stuff. You saw that he's got a. He's raspberry Pi, a Raspberry Pi hooked up to some servos. Yeah, over there he's learned how to make robots. Dude, that's cool. So anyway, so we're just doing a lot of interesting stuff, and we're inspired by a lot of interesting stuff. And so anyway, but that is really hard to maintain my nutrition. Like I last trip to San Francisco a week ago or so, um, I just went off the rails. You know, I had no idea. I had to be like, I don't know. I have no idea how many calories I right. took in and I gained weight um, and I had to come back and like be super disciplined so I could lose it. Um, but my goal is for these next trips are to try to count calories. Uh, I want to try to work out once while I'm in LA. I want to run on the beach. That sounds fun. Oh, to that's me. cool. And we'll see. I'm just doing the fucking best I can. Well, dude, I'll tell you for motivation, you can think about this and in, in closing. Like a couple of the number one fucking bodybuilders and shit yeah. on the circuit. Like you look at like a guy like Phil Heath. He's winning Mr. Olympia every year. 
and he's on the road like 180 days out of the year doing like tours and that's where he makes his money he travels with like a fucking carry-on size cooler with like all his meals in it like partition and all his supplements i mean the guy's on a just a the dude's a science experiment as far as like steroids go you know so i mean he has he has that in his corner but uh, like if you look at guys like the rock and like phil heath there's dudes that are fucking making it work right and they're traveling a lot i'm not that guy and it sounds like you know you and i both struggle with that i struggle with that yeah i'm not but when that. you need motivation on the road just know that there's there a dude with a cooler is, full of <laughs> there is a guy doing it and he's winning mr olympia while he's doing it so it's possible that's awesome it's possible to fucking do that but yeah meal prep I'd, while you're traveling and shit i mean dude it's really challenging if you can make that work you can make it work at home which is good if I can make travel, yeah, that's exactly it. And that's what we'll leave you. Thanks. Hey, Braden, thank you so much, man. Dude, thank you for having me. This I appreciate been, you. I really enjoyed this. this me too. Great. This we'll have good. to do it again. I would love that next time you're in town. All right, brother. All right. Thank you. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba. It's hot. That's a love.